All right, we are back with the Blue Room Podcast, and today is a uh, massive day for me personally, and I hope it's a massive day for a lot of you out there. My guest today is Mike Pro of the Holly Springs Disaster, uh, Dear Solace, and of course his solo projects, uh, Mike Pro. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem, this man. Is, Glad to do it. Glad to do anything to stay busy right now. Yeah, no shit. This is this is fucking honestly like this is fucking killer for me, and uh, I really appreciate you being on. No problem, brother. No problem. So, so uh, you know, with the with the whole like isolation thing and and whatnot, like I, you know, obviously you've been keeping busy doing live live streams and live streaming music and stuff like that. So, like to end the karaoke, I caught the karaoke. That was that was fun. <laughs> tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that just kind of keeping busy right now well yeah i'm really enjoying um i guess the the different types of connections that this quarantine is kind of forcing us to all have it's kind of cool um i did so i've done a songwriting session i did a karaoke i did a q a the one day um karaoke was fun but I won't be doing those again. No, uh, no, I got. <laughs> I I don't know if anyone who watched till the end will notice that it just cut off. It just cut off immediately. Well, I got um, I got copyright flagged. What? Yeah, yeah. I guess you're not. Even though they're instrumentals and it's yeah, and I was just doing a live video. They oh, they took. Yeah, that's I got a annoying. copyright uh, claim on Instagram and on Facebook. What, at the same did time. they tell you what the what the song was that they copyrighted? "Message in a Bottle" by the Police. Oh fuck! Yeah, and it's funny with that one because I could have just done a cover of it. I have a cover um, on my computer, but I just chose to do the karaoke. I was trying to just do it like real karaoke that night. Yeah, but it bit me in the ass. Oh, that's so. too bad. That that fucking sucks. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't dispute it or anything, so it won't like it won't affect me. Um, I'm not new to this copyright infringement uh, no, that's game. Fair. Was that that was on Instagram or Facebook? Um, at the same time, both. Oh, for fuck's sake! Well, I guess they're owned. They, like Facebook owns Instagram, so that makes sense. So that they yeah, yeah exactly, and they're probably using the same. I imagine it's a software they're using yeah. that is detecting and they both detected it right at the same time. Of course. Axed it. So uh, no more karaoke, but I'm going to find other ways to, I don't know. I'm getting stir crazy. Yeah. I, as, as like a lot of us are, but I, I like for you, especially I, I, I would assume that it's kind of like spurring your creativity and you're like, I'm sure you've been writing, like obviously you've been writing a lot doing the writing sessions and stuff like that and building more, uh, building up more songs for like another EP and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Do you have another EP in the in the works? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm sitting on probably like 14 songs right now. Oh shit. Yeah, That's but they're for like different things, different sounds. Because I'm a little bit, um, I don't know, all over the place with the sounds and stuff. So yeah, I've got a lot of music coming. Um, and yeah, it's weird because I think for a lot of us creatives, like the quarantine life isn't that different than real life, right? Than normal life. Um, if you're like really passionate about your craft, you 
you go to work and you come home and you do your craft all night. Or if you're lucky enough, you can do it all day because you can pay your bills by doing it, right? Totally. But um, yeah, I'm in a weird place because I'm loving this creativity. Um, but I'm also like I work in healthcare. Yeah. And uh, I just am finishing up my college course right now. So I'm employed, but because I'm in this college course and doing clinicals right now, I can't go into work. Right. Because of cross contamination between work sites. And so I'm literally just like waiting. Yeah. Uh, and I like to help. I'm a, I'm a big helper. So like, it's good. I was really creative for, I'd say the first 10, but the past week I've had to like almost force creativity, mm. like for like, no, yeah. you're going to sit down and yeah. do something you're going to create right now. So I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's, it ebbs and flows and it's, and it's kind of, uh, this whole situation has been really interesting in terms of that because it, it does, um, you, you do view it as an opportunity where it's like, oh, shit, like I can I can actually like make shit and do be creative. And then you have like a bad day and you're just like, I want to lay on the couch all fucking day today and not do anything. And then it kind of, you know, before you know it, like three days have gone by and you're like, well, that and like what you're saying, you got to force yourself to get back into it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, I had one of those. And I chose the, the day started. I was like, I'm going to do nothing today. I'm going to watch netflix and i watched oh the tiger king <laughs> which is the hottest thing right now <sighs> i it was one of those things that i was like okay everyone's talking about it everyone's talking about yeah. it and then it just got to the point where it's like how can i avoid this any longer yeah so watched it it was great but i'd say by like five o'clock that day i was starting to feel like i was like what am i doing like, why do I feel like I deserve a day to ride the couch? Like, and I'm, that's a new mindset I've kind of trained myself in that you like earn your, your relaxation. Earn your days off. So I, I ruined my day of relaxation because I was like, I don't deserve this. You felt guilty the whole time. That's, 100%. that's, that sucks. Yeah. But like you were saying, like, if you, if you apply yourself right now and you can catch up on everything that you're able to do from home, whether it's being creative or like do your taxes or something right <laughs> now, which I, I did yesterday. Um, boy, it feels good. Yeah. It feels really good. Those days are awesome, but well, and I just, feel, sorry, what were no, you going to say? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel really sorry for there's, there's a big population uh, that has nothing to do right now. Yeah. And then you add mental health problems or you add addiction on top of that. And it's yeah. just like, it's, oh, it's got to be really lonely for, for a lot of people right now. Because it's lonely for people like myself that are kind of treating themselves okay. Right. You know? So, I don't know. I can't wait for this shit to be over. But then every time I read the news, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's not getting any closer. No. And, and. I, I was talking to another friend of mine about this where it's like we we've kind of almost put ourselves in this mentality of like um, we're going to wake up one day and it's just magically going to be over, which is not the case at all. It's going to be this weird long transition of like kind of getting back to our new normal, not even what the normal that we had, like it'll be this new normal of, OK, like 
bars can reopen and and they're only letting 50 people in you know like we're it'll it'll kind of well we saw the the decline into like nothing's open and then we'll start see an incline back into that 100 percent. It, it's gonna take a long fucking time yeah and you know like it will not happen overnight and the economy doesn't just turn back on overnight nope so Fuck, I had a lot of uh, really big plans for this summer when it came to music and trying to get back out there, traveling again and, oh, like and performing. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, and, and the reality of that is is even if uh, our social distancing laws have or guidelines have changed by then, yeah, I'm not sure the economy will have back, bounced back enough by, say, august for um artists like myself to feel comfortable going back out there um on two ways like will it be financially will i lose money going out myself right and the other thing is like will i feel okay going out on the road asking people to a pay money when they might be strapped for cash and b put themselves in a room with a few hundred people for maybe the first time they've done that in six months and just cause a whole bunch of panic attacks that night. You know, I'm yeah. thinking about it in a, a grander scale. So I'm like, yeah, I, I got together a live stream concert that I'm going to do here coming up and like, we got to find a way to adapt. Right. Yeah. And that, well, that'll be killer. Like, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I, I'm excited to do it. I'm just, like we're we're at this weird place now with all of us where you know it really is a turning point for artists of all genres of all like visual artists, audio artists, whatever. It's a turning point in our side hustles or careers where we can now say like I got to find a, a way to make some money off of this. Totally. If that's your only income now, because right now music is my only income. I can't go to work right now. Right. So it's making me be creative in a like hustle way, which is, I think, good for someone like myself who's terrible on the business end of things. Which, yeah. It, and, and to that point, um, we're in this because we're all in this together. Yeah. And everyone is at home like um, – content is king right now so yeah having the ability to kind of stream and do things like that and and get yourself out to your fans in that way is really important right now because you're you're going to keep the fans that you have currently and you're you know going to grow your audience even further oh hell doing, yeah by doing shit like that i think every every social media platform and every entertainment uh entity that's online based right now is witnessing like their biggest numbers oh yeah in the past whatever however long so yeah great time to capitalize it and i'm like i'm really looking into these cool ways of where you can give pretty much all your content for free but at the same time like i like the patreon model right now where you can be like here's my music but if you want my music before everybody else and you want to I don't even know. Like there's a there's an artist I saw recently who was doing uh one on one. It wasn't like counseling, but it was pretty much. It was like call me and talk to me for half an hour. 
right. about whatever's going on in your life because I don't want you to feel alone. But they had that on their Patreon. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like, and I'm sitting here as someone who's like a big mental health advocate. It's like, is that okay to charge money for that? I mean, like a counselor's fine to charge money for, right? For but sure. A, and I don't know if I would call this person a celebrity, but uh, an entertainer. Right. Is that okay? I don't know. I don't really want to cross those worlds too much, but I want to find a way where I could uh, like do those live. I think Twitch is a good platform because you can do a live performance. People can basically, I think, donate to you. Yeah. But they can also just watch it for free and enjoy it. For sure. And oh well, and and to that end as well, like having the having more people watching it as well, kind of you know boosts your rank up and you know like the more people you have watch it could get you on the front page which in turn right. gets more people watching and, and did youtube adapt that now too where live viewers like of your live stream can they donate to you or give you money uh that much i don't know right now i i can't monetize my channel yet so I think I, that's the whole thing. I think that's the whole thing. Once you can monetize your channel, you probably can ask for it. Probably, yeah. And there, and I, I would, I, and I, in fact, actually, now that I, now that you say that, I think you can, because it, it, it's not a. It, they've kind of built this system where um, you buy what are called some. They're they're like called stickers or something. Okay. So then you you as the viewer buy the stickers and then you give the stickers to the streamers, which in turn turns into to funds. I think. I think that's oh, how okay. they. I think that's how they've kind of. And so they're basically adapting the model from like porn websites. I guess like so. the the what do you like Chatterbait? That's <laughs> is that how they run that? Yeah. Okay. That's how all the like all those live feed things. I know a girl who makes a fantastic living off of one of those websites. And it's never like, here's $5. It's like, here's 20 tokens. Yeah, here's 20 tokens. gold tokens. Yeah. Right? So. Well, and in, in turn, it's like the, it's like the, the, not to equate it to this, but it's the Chuck E. Cheese model. You know what I mean? Where you go in and you buy your, you spend real money on the tokens to go play the games and they give you, more tokens than what so you pay 20 bucks and they give you 300 tokens so you yeah. feel like you're getting good value for your money even though in reality you're not you know like it's so it's kind of the same model where if you're giving them 20 gold stars or whatever the fuck it is that equates to five dollars you're not equating it in your head to five dollars you're right yeah it's kind of that's so that, that, that that makes sense that's I some guess. tricky, tricky marketing shit right there. It is, and it, it's literally just to to um, it's the the what is it the serotonin thing or the endorphins like, yeah, for people where they can kind of feel good or whatever, just kind of almost those like, pleasure receptors, baby. Yeah, oh yeah, it's all about that. Yeah, and they always like Bing. You'll hear a Bing that goes with it too. It's like training the. Oh, that was me that made that Bing happen. Yeah. Well, and what is that? The there was a scientist who did the thing with the bell and a dog. Yes. He would ring a bell and then feed the dog. Ring a bell, feed the dog. Hey, here comes my dog as I say that. And then your mo the dogs would start drooling when yeah. he'd hear a bell. Like well, like Jim did to Dwight on on the office. Yeah. Ex the, oh my God. With the yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, oh Lord. So I wanted to I wanted to ask about like the the healthcare stuff that you've been because I I've, I've been following you for years. So, um, what what it uh what uh aspect of healthcare are are you moving into? So currently, I'm employed uh, working with elderly in okay. long term care. Um, so I'm a care assistant or a support worker is what they would call it in some provinces. Um, and so I'm going to school right now to get certified with that. Right. Because once you work as that for two years, you have to get certified or else you, yeah, you have to be certified within two years. So I decided to get that. And, um, I'm still undecided if I'm going further into, it's either going to be psych nursing, um, or addictions counseling, one okay. or the other. But I'm undecided right now. It's like, uh, well, actually, right now would probably be a great time for me to just take out another student loan and keep investing in my, in my education. Because who knows how long till I'll get in the workforce. Um, but yeah, I'm looking to work. Uh, inspired to try and get into the mental health and addiction side of things. Well, it's good. That's that's yeah. Because I mean, you've you've had your own, like you've you've battled your own demons when it comes to that stuff as it mm-hmm. comes through with your music and in, and in kind of stuff that you've posted, like, cause you're, you're like, you're, you're sober now yeah, and have been sober for, for how long have you been sober now for? Oh, what's the date today? Uh, it's the March or April. Oh my God. It's April. It's April now. April 3rd. Wow. So in nine days, it'll be 11 months. Wow. Good for you. Thanks man. That's, that's fucking killer. And I mean like that, that's, that that's got to be you know obviously good for your health but all but you know just kind of a killer accomplishment something you know you could be proud of to be like hey like i'm not you know abusing myself <laughs> in these mm-hmm. you know and and it and it takes a lot to kind of identify that within yourself yeah like i know i know i have a few friends that have kind of admitted to like hey you know had some problems and now they're uh fully sober for for years now and and it's it's a really you know it's a really good thing to identify those kind of demons and a hundred percent and i think it's uh our generation it's starting to become um the i don't want to just talk generally about guys but just because i have experience with myself and and my other male friends um it's just so ingrained in our Canadian culture, especially our prairie culture, um, to get shit faced with the boys, right? Totally. Um, so I'm I'm happy though. Like the resp- as a child, I would have never expected the, um, or not a child, I guess. As a teenager, I would have never expected the the people that have shown me support. Um, I would have never expected them to be the people they are. Um, getting sober is actually not really frowned upon anymore. Um, which is so good. Um, and I've like, I think there was a bit of a, a stereotype attached to getting sober. Um, especially with our, uh, like the age group above us. Um, like they just stopped having fun. Right. Or they became like, um, I think a lot of people think if you work a 12 step program that you're automatically going to become like a, a God fearing Christian. Yeah. Too preachy. And exactly. Um, 
And I'm I'm just happy, uh, like you know, this quarantine stuff happened this year, not last year, when I was still using, and it'd be a, a scary time to be an addict. Um, and I'm still an addict. I'm just a recovering addict now. So, um, but yeah, like it's given me some purpose in life. Uh, past just getting drunk and high and like I love music I've always loved music and getting drunk and high um I don't know if it necessarily ever helped me make it maybe it did at times to get a little more creative in a altered state maybe um but it definitely it definitely interfered yeah um I think a lot of people were, including my bandmates, like Holly Springs Disaster, they were very surprised. Um, they were very surprised when I came out and said that I was getting clean and getting help and, and I quit drinking and, and using drugs because, uh, I mean, they saw me they saw me party on the road, but not a lot of people saw me have a problem right. with these things because I hid them. Um so I surprised a lot of people when I said I got clean, not for the fact that I was getting clean, but more for the fact that I had a problem. Right. Which is funny. You know, like talk about, um, I was able to trick myself and a lot of others into being a functioning alcoholic, a functioning addict. Well, which an addict is, is want to do like that's, that's oh, whole, yeah. like, part of the game. That's, yeah. That's like <laughs> the best outcome for a, an addict who wants to stay an addict is to totally. just, be functional with it absolutely so yeah i mean it, it's been a hard year i won't lie the first bit of sobriety wasn't brought on by happiness no uh it was it took some trauma for me to want to get sober for myself um because i think throughout my life i've had different it's usually a girlfriend or so or, or you know my ex-wife would notice they would notice it. Someone who spent every day, all day with me would notice. And not my friends, not my coworkers. I never lost a job because of this or something like right. that. It was, it was the people I loved the most. I would see it. Well, and the ones you're closest to. Exactly. Yeah. But even there was still a separation even between best friend and and those ones that I like. You know, those girls that you live with. My mom. You know, because um, my best friend. He suspected it, mm-hmm. that there was a problem going on, but he never brought it up with me, and he wasn't certain until I told him. Right. And this was my, like, homie that I confided in. Right. So, um, yeah, it's uh, – I'm having a lot of fun kind of defying the, the norm of sobriety. Totally. You know? Um. I've been to the bar since being sober. I've been to karaoke uh, with people drinking around me. Um, I I don't think that your life needs to stop because you get sober. I don't want that. I I met a good, really great guy. um, And I do. I go to 12-step meetings like I do. I'm part of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. I'm also still me. And I think I'm more me now that I'm sober than I ever was was kind of able to be. Well, I um, feel like you kind of trick yourself into believing that you're this, you are this person when you're, when you're altered. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it all becomes a defense mechanism. It all becomes coping. If it's, if I've never met an addict that it doesn't have, 
um, some underlying problems, um, trauma in their youth, their childhood, maybe, maybe even just trauma in their adult life, uh, or they had, they're suffering from depression or anxiety or sadder things than that. Even just horrible things that have happened to people that they're bandaging every single time they take a drink. It's not the same as, as, um, as someone who's not an addict when they take a drink, it's not that, ah, this feels nice. What a great week we had. It's, you know, especially by that second drink, let me drown the pain. Yeah. Let me forget about whatever's bugging me. Totally. Yeah, no. It, and like I said before, like it, I'm, I'm super stoked for you on the, on the sobriety front. Like that's, that's really killer. That's a, that's a killer decision um, that anybody can make for themselves in terms of identifying that and and you know working to move past it and i i i think you do really well with the the mental health addiction side in in, in the healthcare because you have that background yeah that's just my I, thought i but. hope so i hope so and if i'm gonna be completely honest um me getting help early on in, in my recovery um was and those people that i met in the healthcare industry yeah as a patient i mean a lot of people that i've gone to school with this year don't know this about me so if anybody does watch it they're gonna learn that but i'm open with being a recovering addict and like open with my clean time and stuff like that but not open with the process no. um but the people that i met getting help were the people that told me to get into healthcare. Hmm. and i remember being there saying like why are you telling me this like i'm you know, at the time I was recovering, just getting off of being a drunk and a, a drug doer and also very depressed. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. But these were people who saw um, just because I was an addict or just because I was struggling with my mental health, they still saw potential in me as a human being. Totally. And and that inspired me and that made me want to get into that. Into that workplace however possible so i've had to start from the ground up being a care aide because i had well not great high school marks right <laughs> much, much like a lot of us yeah yeah no. and i did not want to go back to high school this year i thought you know what i can get a job doing this i can also get the education while i'm working yeah and i'll humble myself at the same time it's a humbling job man so yeah like i hope that in the end i can I just I think our our scene this this punk rock hardcore metal whatever genre you call your scene um, there needs to be there needs to be enough voices spreading like the PMA positive mental attitude right yeah because um, there's lots promoting like drug use and and partying and stuff like that but other than straight edge for me growing up there wasn't a lot of well it was like straight edge or christian bands that push push like a healthy message and then everyone else well and they and and it's funny that you bring that up because like in the case of say uh like under oath they were pushing that message but secretly battling their own demons behind the scenes right which there's yeah. been plenty of articles so it, it's kind of i don't judge that either no, i did I, at no. one point I, i'll be honest i did when I was still an addict. Right. I judged it when I was younger, it would have been. Um, those guys are some of the nice, like I met them when I was yep. 18. Very young, I met them. Yeah. 
they're some of the nicest people in the world. And of course they're going to have problems just like anyone else does. They're human. That, that's yeah. And, and, and we put, uh, I, 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 I will agree with the whole, the, the judgy part. Cause like I, I did at one point kind of, I, I had a little bit of a judgmental, uh, mindset when it came to like some of that shit coming out mm-hmm. at the time, not anymore. Like, uh, but you know, like we put these people on, on, on pedestals and when that, uh, gets shattered, it kind of changes your worldview and, and skews it a little bit for a while, especially if you have, um, if you're holding particular values, yeah, you know, close to your own heart. And so that, that, I, I, I fully agree with you on on that. Like, it, 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 there's no point in judging them for any of that now. It's it's to me, I look at it as like an interesting part of their history, or yeah. an interesting part of anyone's kind of roadmap to to where they are now. Yeah, and look at where they are now. Oh yeah, like like it's incredible. I mean, Spencer, the all the music that guy's done in and out of his problems with addiction and mental health stuff, he's, I mean, why did Taking Back Sunday ask him, right? It was Taking Back Sunday asked him to fill in when Adam was sick there for a bit. Did they? Yeah, I believe so. And Spencer's not even that good of a singer. He's just one of the best front men ever. He, he's an incredible front man. So incredible. Yeah. And I th- actually, I I need to maybe I need to fact check myself because somebody's gonna be like you're lying, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure what happened is when he got clean, um, he ran out of money, he broke himself, right? And I think, I think what somebody he's I'm gonna look this up while I'm saying it, but I'm pretty sure somebody in Taking Back Sunday, if it wasn't Adam, is so close with him that they were like, okay, hey, we need to get him back on his feet financially. It was less about like who's the best guy for the job. Right. It was more about who's our best friend that needs help right now. That's I super think. cool. I think let's fact check this. Clip. Yeah, you should. Yeah, please fact check that because that like if that's a if that's a real story, that's fucking yeah incredible. And I, I wonder. If, have oh, you ever? Have you ever? While you're looking that up, have you ever seen? Like, I'm right. You right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they came out with it being like the whole details that I gave there. Whoa. Did we just get some juicy like gossip on? I don't think so. No. I feel like that's been talked about. I don't think so. Cause I'm not tapped in like that. <laughs> I'm looking like shit though. Did I know? Yeah. Like he had a baby, I believe is what happened. Adam had a baby. Okay. Yeah. He unexpectedly had a baby and then they called Spencer. I think Spencer's been open about this, that that, like, saved his life pretty much. Oh, okay, that would make sense then. Yeah, like, if – that would I make sense so. that Spencer would have talked about that. Yeah, because he's pretty open for – especially for uh, – wait, is Under Oath still signed to, like, Christian labels and stuff? No, I don't know about that. I don't know if the the, the newest album – I think – I know the drummer is still, like – well, because they were – it wasn't tooth and nail. They were on um, – Solid State. Solid State. Thank you. Um, and I know – oh, I was going to bring this up. If you've ever seen like the that Under Oath documentary that – I don't know if it ever actually came out, but there was this Under Oath documentary going around that I happened to find on a torrent site that like had a whole bunch of 
um, like behind the scenes footage of like one of their, it, I think it was around the time that um, their only chasing safety was definitely out, but I don't know if Define the Great Line. It might they were have, recording Define the Great Line, right. weren't they? And there was studio footage mixed in with stuff. Yeah, there was studio footage and there was tour footage. And then there's this one part of the documentary where they go off and they're all sitting in a room, all seven of them sitting in a room and they're like, talking with their managers and they're going over contracts and they're trying to figure out why they're not making any fucking money. <laughs> Cause they're like, we're really popular, but like they, I think solid state had written in, them into this like crazy deal where they made no fucking money. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's, and that, that's happened a lot in, in the, the record industry and whatnot. And so much, but, so much like, yeah, it's weird. The, there's not a lot of money to be made in the punk hardcore genre to begin with. Right. But but then to have crooks at the top of it. Yeah. It just oh, it just boils my blood. Like there's so many you can look up that have been I mean all your favorite labels as a kid, their owners are you just google them. Yeah. They're They've all done shady shit. Oh yeah. Including I've... those Christian labels. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I believe that a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I gotta watch my tongue what I say about labels. I gotta cease and desist from a label once for what I was saying. So like, they're so, and like, this is from a punk rock label, and I just messaged the owner back on Facebook, like, get fucked, and like, is that is a lawsuit for me speaking the truth? How punk is that, bro? Like. Get a grip. But in the end, a lot of those companies were doing whatever they could to just keep the lights on, too. They weren't making a lot of money. No. That's the thing. Like, under oath at that time, was like, what the fuck? Where's all of our money? Well, that record label didn't have it either. They blew it on some other band that sold nothing for them. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And that's the other harsh reality that nobody wants to talk about in this genre. It's like, okay, Victory Records screwed over. Some big artists. Yep. But it was so they could put out, like, I mean, there's pe- there's bands from Canada that got signed to, to Victory for one record. I I have friends that got signed to Victory and then got screwed over. Like exactly. Yeah, and it, and no offense to your friends, but they probably didn't clear the five thousand cap mark of sales. No. Right. And if you're not clearing that, not only are you not making the money, but they're losing money on you. Exactly. Yeah. Like they lost money just putting out your record. And those deals are structured in a way where they're putting up the cash up front that you have to essentially as a business pay back off mm-hmm. the sales of your record. So they're, they're, and that's 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 and a typical record contract. Totally. And a lot of the labels will will structure in a way that it's kind of ambiguous in how they word it. So they're like, you'll get 50% of the royalties once we've cleared our costs and they'll just leave it at that. And you're like, Oh, that sounds great. 50, 50. I mean, there are costs cost nothing putting out our record. Well, it's going to cost however much they need it to cost. They might, yeah, they'll find a way to just be like, yeah, we spent 15 grand on marketing and you guys didn't sell anything. And you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you spend that on marketing? We didn't ask you to, Oh, that's what we do. Yeah. And do they really spend that money? I don't fucking, I still don't get it. I've been in the music industry for 15 years now and I still don't understand it all where the money all goes. 
and it and and that's and to that point i movies are are structured in a similar way too i was reading an, an interesting article recently where um men in black which came out in what 97 like mm-hmm. years ago that movie is still in the red to this day because of the way the studio has structured it in um keeping it like not profitable so the people that had those back end deals they've made nothing off like one of like a hugely successful movie because the studio's like oh well the you know they it, they just kind of shuffle things around and they're like well this is still not paid or whatever it is so yeah it, the, the, well, and I wonder if does that trickle all the way down to Will? Do you think Will hasn't seen any residuals from Men in Black? That I that I don't know. Like, I almost guarantee he's seen residuals because he's done three of them now, right? Yeah. And the last one he did was like, well, way after them. It's true, and and it's possible that because he would have gotten that like when he signed on to do do that movie, he would have gotten his upfront like this is you know five million or ten or whatever it is to like yeah do the movie so he would have gotten paid up front whereas you know like writers or or you know like they get like a flat rate and then they get points or something exactly. on the royalties right so yeah you're right well, and he, he may not have seen any royalties but mm. he, they they they're giving him the upfront deal in order to do the movie and then they're giving him a bigger upfront deal to do the second and third one because they're like, well, the first one was so successful. Like we know in the studio's eyes, they're like, we're going to make money off this. We're just going to make it look like it's not going to make yeah. money. <laughs> we're going to make it look like we didn't. Exactly. I don't know. I think that's another good thing with this kind of quarantine going on. It's showing a lot of artists how little they need from anyone else. Yep. Like. Code Orange is doing really awesome things right now, yep. and they're just, I don't know, they're just broadcasting, like, from their homes, and they, they did that one gig with oh. an empty uh, empty hall, like... That that show was actually fucking rad. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, that was... I love Code Orange. Yeah. They, they basically, like, single-handedly got me back into just, like, straight-up hardcore music again. Yeah, they're, they're doing really... Really or it's thing. not straight up hardcore, but their old records were, and that's what yeah. kind of brought me back. And now they're like, it's like Nine Inch Nails meets yeah, it's it's twenty twenty hardcore. I don't even know. Yeah, it's fu- right. well, their their shit is fun. Their, their new shit's fucking cool. Yeah, really yeah, and cool. I think you know, for the next little bit of time here, it's gonna be the innovators, people that can make their their band or their brand is a lot of people look at their their like code orange they would never say that but when i look at it they're a brand oh yeah they've got a look they've got a sound they've got this loyal following that's like they got them on the billboard charts with this record yep they were right under billy eilish they're a fucking brand um but they're like i'm sorry they could be doing all this right now without roadrunner they could. Oh yeah, Easily. Roadrunner isn't who's telling me about Code Orange. No, Code Orange is telling you about Code Orange. Yeah, and that fucking kid that I trust, his taste in every hardcore band that I've never heard of, but he's like, "This is next one up." I'm telling you, I heard that like when they were Code Orange kids, I was already hearing about them. Like, you gotta check. I think they're from like Scranton or something like that, or somewhere in Pennsylvania. I think they're originally from. Yeah. And that's like, like, 
there's so many bands from that region that have blown the fuck up. And I'm sorry, none of them needed the labels that blew them up. No, and that's and that's I mean, we're we're living in the the you know, the SoundCloud era, the Spotify era and the like you can literally do everything on the internet with a little bit of like look at Lil Lil Nas X. Yeah. Like that dude put that song up on SoundCloud and blew the fuck up. Yep, and he owns 100% of the royalties for that or 100% of the rights for that song too. Does he? I think yeah, like him and whoever the producer was on it because they had no distribution deal or anything when they first inked it. Like young man is laughing. Well, and so how does how does cuz I know Trent Reznor there was the whole Trent Reznor thing and Atticus Ross like they won a country music award because of that song because there's a sample that they right see i don't know you so, know what i kind of tuned out when that stuff hit yeah i i I, bothers I, me. I wish everyone would just get over that which like, the sampling like let's all just sample who yeah. cares man like i don't know if somebody well okay no yeah Right now, if somebody blew up off of a sample of my music, right, I would be stoked. I'd be stoked. At least I'd be able to tell people that something I wrote got sampled into something that's huge now. Um, I've there's just so much greed attached to this yeah. industry, and like people that were living super lavishly had to kind of check their pocketbooks when the whole streaming age came in. And now this is their new way of trying to get a dollar out of a young artist. Usually it's usually a young artist that's getting sued over a sample. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I would hope in the case of like, um, like the, like when it comes to old, old town road and, and Trent Reznor, like I would hope that he's just kind of like, cause like the dude's massively successful himself. He's a fucking Oscar winner. Like, exactly. I would hope that he would be like, oh, like that it was more like his lawyers or somebody else was like, oh, hey, like you're attached to this thing. And he was kind of like, OK. And they're like, you're going to you're you're up for a country music award because of it or, or like you're attached to it as like a writer. for. And he, I, I, I would hope that he was just kind of like, all right, like, that's cool. But like, I don't want anything from it. Yeah. Like that would that would be ideal. That's like the ideal story from that, where it's like, yeah, like I, that's great. I don't want anything from it, though. Well, and I'm reading a little bit about it now. And in the article with Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. doesn't I'm not seeing anything about him wanting financial. He's he said it's flattering. Yeah. And he he thinks that Old Town Road is undeniably hooky. Yeah. So the reason I haven't stepped in to comment about it is because I don't feel it's my place to play any kind of social credit to that. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what I mean. If these kids think your old hook or whatever is so cool, they're going to sample it and then make the next, the next, next thing. Be happy that you're not being forgotten totally. into the next generation, you know? Totally. I don't know. But I've never had anything sampled like that. So how would I know how it feels? Well, maybe one day. That would be fucking. That would be honestly fucking killer. I'll, yeah, I'll say it now. That would be great. And if anybody likes what I think I've been asked for, by people, like, can I get this? Can I sample that? I always say yes. I never really give them the sample though. I make them work for uh, it. Ah. Right. 
Yeah, that, that I mean, and that's that's totally fair because if you <coughs> you if you want something, you should have to work for it. Yeah, and I had to work for my sample exactly so for yours. Yeah, I don't blame I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your music a little bit. So, um, with because I mean, you put out two two EPs. No, you put out a lot last year. In 2019, you kind of like the the Mike Fro brand. You, yeah, you know, I think you, I put at least three, four, maybe. I don't know. You put I up, did a few last year. You did imaginary friends, fake friends. I need to clean up, and uh, just just at the tail end of 2019, you put out the bars revisited. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was busy at the end of last year. Which is and all I love all of I love all of it so much. Like it's it's so fucking good. Um, Thanks, bro. I I kind of I want to ask like the. Because imaginary or fake was which one was first, imaginary or fake friends? Fake friends came out first. Okay, so where where do where do those like where do those titles come from? Like, what are you what are you drawing on from from that? Okay, um, the fake friends was um, in reference to the the kind of social circle that surrounds you when you're when you're using or when you're an addict and just how, and yeah, just the toxicity and that it's just not real. Nobody's there for the real friendship. There's always something else attached to it. They're there for a good time. Exactly. So that's where fake friends came from. And then imaginary friends. Um, I wrote that song when I was just like probably two or three months sober, Mm -hmm. maybe two months sober. And I, it was at a point where I felt like there was a lot of people that had just kind of turned their back on me. Right. Um, people that I thought were close friends that just kind of ghosted. So I kind of went on the imaginary friends. Like I was just, you know, and I was spending a lot of time alone at that time, writing and just being alone in nature. And I remember that whole idea of like being a kid and having these, these imaginary friends around you that keep you entertained. That was another idea that I kind of was playing on too, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was just kind of touching on what I felt like, um, the reaction of certain people was to me making, I mean, I made a big change and I did, I, I crossed the country. I, I left Toronto and came back to Saskatchewan. So, yeah. um, it's an easy way for myself and for other people to disconnect. And, you know, uh, over the time now I've connected with a lot of those people again and I wouldn't call them all imaginary or fake friends. Sometimes we're just all in a in a weird spot and it's hard to connect, you know. I think a lot of people were were that were close with me um during those tougher times. Um they almost felt bad reaching out to me. Right. Almost like reminding me of those times, I think. Right. I'd notice. So I don't know. You live and you learn. That's yeah, that's where the titles came from though. Just uh like a play on yeah, I was just, just quite. I was quite moody at that time. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean that makes sense. That makes. Um, and then I, 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 I need to clean up. I can pretty much. Yeah. I can figure that one out. That one's pretty. Yeah. Good. You know what? I'm happy I put that out. I'm not in love with those songs. Um, I don't regret putting them out. I've never put a lot of time into promoting them though. It was more of like a therapeutic thing for me. Okay. Those were the like two old songs that I'd found um, 
I went on like nearly two years of writing nothing. Right. And those were two songs that I found that were like salvageable from that time. And I just, I wanted to kind of clear my hard drive and get rid of all those bad memories. But at the same time, both of those songs I felt like needed to just get out there. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few people reach out to me and that's all I need now. If even just one person messages me and said like, man, I needed to hear that song. That's exactly how I feel today. And then it was, then it makes it totally worth it. And I, both of those songs, it's, and the whole EP, it's clear what it's about. Yeah. You know, there's no, um, what's the word? Um, shit. What word am I looking for? Like there's no secondary meaning. No, no, no. It's, what is it? A youth? A euphemism? Metaphor. Metaphor? Metaphor. Yeah, there's Jesus. no there's no metaphors there. It's it's No. You're 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 not you're not burying the lead with that, with any of those titles or those those songs. No. Yeah, the titles of the songs are When I'm Alone and I Need to Clean Up. So. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so uh one okay. One thing I this has always kind of stuck with me for, for years and years. One thing I want to ask you about is the so you put out the bars revisited in December, yeah, and obviously the bars was a, a dear solace song, yeah, that featured the piano motif from Showdown, right? Uh, a, a Holly Springs song. So that piano mo- motif that kind of starts off that song has kind of like that's that's followed you for a really long time, and like, um. So like what tell kind of tell me about that that specific piano like motif just kind of popping up every so often in in your work. Yeah. Like what that means to you. Whoo. You know <laughs> what? It's like one of those things that I'm not even 100% sure what the the real memory is anymore or right. if it's something I've made up. Okay. I'm pretty sure um that piano part I wish I should text Tony right now because he'd probably know. Um, I believe that song was written as a Dear Solace song before we had written My Pet Monster. Okay. And Showdown because that's like the whole bridge. Yeah, yeah. Showdown into My Pet Monster. Um, And when we wrote My Pet Monster – I don't think it had that as an intro. Like it wasn't something that we were conscious of. I believe how it went was we wrote showdown. We had the piano breakdown in that song. Do, 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 do. And then if you listen, like the end of that breakdown, it just kind of ends and that piano continues on. Well, I where it kind of just echoes out and then it yeah yep and i think really what happened was we wrote those songs we started jamming them i was playing the keyboards live at those practices and i realized shit this is in the same key right as the bars no you know what it's not how it goes. This is this is believe me, Mike. This is endlessly fascinating for me. I mm. well, no, because I just realized like it's called the bars, right? And that's another thing I want to ask you about. 
is like that's where... what we called the bus our our bus that we drove in we called it the bars that like... picture that you're seeing on the cover of the bars revisited yeah that's all of us sleeping from holly springs disaster in our bars that's, our bus. that's what i assumed okay so that's where because i i tried to google like what a bars is <laughs> Yeah, like, it's a made-up word, man. It, well, it, what I could find was that it had something to do with fish, and I was like, "Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking think that that's what it is." But okay, so it's literally just a made-up word, the bars. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that is awesome. Yeah, it, it was like, "Hey, bud, meet me at the bars." Like, <laughs> meet me at the bus, and then it just went to bars. Meet me at the bars. Oh, that is endlessly Canadian. Holy fuck. Yeah, so Canadian. And now that I just like, no. Because it was called The Bars. The song was? Yeah. So if the so my song was called The Bars, that obviously had to have been written as I was touring with Holly Springs Disaster. Because I don't think – like that bus was from my original band, Away From Here. Okay. Um, and I don't think we called it The Bars. I think that was a Holly Springs thing. So, so that story should actually go band wrote – my pet monster and showdown and then i really liked that piano part right and wrote the bar everyone in the room knows but you i think out of it i don't know anymore it's been that's like 13 years ago oh, or easily. 14 years ago yeah to the 2006 2007 ish yeah that's i i still i don't know i love that part that's probably that whole section of the holly springs record is my favorite part of that record and that part of the dear solace record is also my favorite i just love that part and i i would agree with you it's it, it's it's so recognizable especially like um well for me and i know i know for a lot of people that have been listening to because we, we uh me and my friends like we all still like jam the holly springs album endlessly like every once in a while it's just like fuck i need to listen to something like heavy and angry and beautiful and fucking like just so joyful at the same time and that album encompasses all of that right in those in those what is it eight eight or nine songs like they, you guys i think it's seven is it maybe seven? it's eight with an intro yeah like you you i'm pulling it up here it's eight eight with an intro yeah and the i love the intro just that little like it just the kind of walking through the door, lighting a smoke, and the slam. Oh my god, that shit is it's just so endlessly fucking uh, recognizable and fucking that that defines my teenage years and my mm. well and 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 you know early kind of twenties, and I know it does for a lot of people in Canada. Like I I think for for me I I would. I'll go on record saying that Holly, and I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you now. I'm so I'll I'll say this because it's legitimately true. Holly Springs is one of the most influential bands that ever came out of Canada. <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, dude. It's I I I I I fucking truly believe that, and I've always believed that because mm. those those songs are perfect. End to end, that album is fucking perfect. Mm. I love that record too. I appreciate that, man. And like, um, like I said, I'm not just saying that because because you you agreed to do this today. I'm I've I've always felt that. I 
Yeah, I appreciate that. It's weird for me, like, um, like just recently we got a nod in alternative press. Really? Yeah, like just recently about us being one of the the forefathers of Southern rock. See, I'm not wrong. Like, no, you're not. It's, but it's to me, big. I'm just like, okay. It gets a really weird situation with Holly Springs. Cause I'm, I'm so, so proud of those songs. Yeah. And, um, very proud of what we did as a band. But I, I think what a lot of our, our followers don't re- realize is, um, like when we were out there doing it, and going hard and touring for like eight to 10 months a year, nobody talked about us as being one of like the most influential Canadian hardcore bands or like, I don't, we kind of had a bad name actually, because we were, there was damage done at our shows sometimes. And like it, we were a wild bunch. So when we were trying, we were dying for some respect and for some credibility, we weren't able to find it. And then we broke up right as it was kind of starting to peak, we yeah. thought it was starting to peak. We were starting to do really big, good shows, headlining them then. No, we'd been doing it for a while, but like those rooms were starting to get up into the thousands yeah. people, rooms and stuff. Um, but the the legend and like people being like, that shit made my life and like the tattoos and like all the craziness, that happened like after we broke up that happened that whole legend has happened between like 2010 and now yeah i mean and then when we came back and did um the damn four shows i think that just kind of solidified the legend like for us too because we didn't think like i don't know it was it's something to do with being like saskatchewan boys but we're just like nobody likes us here a Right. Like we have hardly any following in our home province and it's ingrained in us as a Saskatchewan society, as farmers to, to downplay your success, to not gloat, to not, cause nobody likes somebody like that out right. here. They're just like, fuck off with your pretentiousness. Right. So we played into that and then, or not played into it. That's just who we were. But then when we came back and did that, sh- those shows and it was like, Dude, I, I lived in that neighborhood at that time, and I went to the Danforth all the time for concerts. And for me especially, it was like, I don't think the rest of the guys got it as much as I did. Like, yeah, the fact we were at the Danforth for two nights selling that venue out. Yeah. Our, like, the company in that, other artists that are selling that venue out for two nights at that time, like there really wasn't a lot of other Toronto acts doing it. They were way bigger. They're either like way bigger or, I mean, people have done it since us. I think Silverstein has done like one or two nights there and stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Um, what's the, what's the capacity of the Danforth? I want to, yeah, this is another thing I wanted to touch on. I'm not sure. Maybe 2000. Okay. Maybe that's that, like, that's, and I, I've seen I've seen the videos from from the Danforth shows and they like the place is fucking packed. Yeah, it was nuts. Oh, and I I uh, when you guys announced though those shows, I was working for WestJet at the time, so I would I had the like I I live in Calgary, but I yeah. I had the ability to 
fucking hop on a plane and get to Toronto to to go see them but I had to I had to work like I couldn't get the days off to go to work so I was forever bummed that I didn't because I've I've seen I I uh I saw you guys play uh basically every time you came to Calgary yeah I think and like the the gateway show where you did the the all ages and then the the, the bar show afterwards yeah I I went to both of those that was that was a fucking fun day dude um that but was a wild night no i i think i think you're you're definitely right that hindsight being what it is everyone has has is looking back and and appreciating what you guys did you know in hindsight they they it, mm-hmm. when you're in the moment i know there was lots of us that obviously loved you guys and went out to every show and and stuff like that but you're right. You weren't you weren't necessarily appreciated in at the moment, right? Right. And it's kind of one of those like you either you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And boy, did you guys go out on fucking top because you know there there's I'm not saying that you guys would have put out a shitty record for your second one, but you know what I mean? Like who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Like we we don't know what would have ha- you like there's no telling what would have happened mm-hmm. if you had continued on or, or shit like that. Right. Like, yeah, I, I see, that's a weird one for me to think about because, um, Oh, how much can I say? <laughs> yeah. Like I look back. Okay. I'll say this. I look back on that record. We were trying to write for the second one. Yes. Um, which and I've, there's, I've heard a couple of the, demos demos like king kong and uh right the other one king kong godzilla Mm. godzilla yeah there was a few demos that came out and those songs were okay they're pretty good um but we had a few other songs written that and you know now that i'm far enough away from these songs and and we're all on nice and friendly terms i just they didn't hit right they didn't feel right they weren't holly springs Right. Um, and now that we all are, I mean, we all chat now. We're all good buddies again. Um, we were trying, we were trying to get recognition on that second album. We right. wanted to be, because we were playing with really talented bands at that time. We were playing with Architects and Protest the Hero and Straight Reads the Line and some really proficient muse- uh, mu- musicians, like right. really good. Right. And our songs were not hard to play. Like, um, fucking 14 years later, and I, I can still, and I shit you not, I can play every instrument on that record. Really? Yeah, I can play the drums, I can play the guitars, I can play the bass. I know the whole record, start to finish, and I, I'm not that good of a musician at all those instruments. So that, like, we all were self-conscious of it. I even remember the boys, like, just being kind of like, we can't, like, we can't just do chug, chug, chug anymore. We can't. Right. But that was where we started to lose what made us that. Because it wasn't about the chug, chug, chug. It was about everything. It was yeah. about that song. It was about that message. It was about what was said over top of it. It was the feeling that you got after the chug, chug, chug. Yeah. Right? Like... So we lost sight of that, though. And I think we, all of us now, now that we're all fucking old men, we look at it and we're like, damn, we, uh, 
we were trying to be something that we weren't because we just weren't comfortable with with who we were at that time as men as young men i think um if mental health could have been in a place where it is now and addiction stuff could have been in a place where it is now and we all could have been a little more comfortable talking about it could have saved our band too totally you know it's sad um but hey thank fuck we're all grown adults now and we've got our our lives together in a place where we're all talking i mean i'm going to one of their weddings this summer um fuck it better happen yeah fuck jesus but like i wouldn't change it for a world for i wouldn't change any of it for anything in the world no but if i could go back the only thing i would change is just being more open and honest with each other about like feelings right which is fucking hard as young men to talk like that. Well, you, you know? don't you don't want to be the fucking loser who talks about his feelings. No, I talked about it enough in my lyrics. I didn't need to talk about it in person. My feelings. Yeah, and that <laughs> that's fair. No, man, I I you know what the 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 AP thing like them giving you guys that kind of recognition now that makes me happy. Me too. You fucking deserve that, all of you. You guys, the bands that they listed us with too. It's like, it was exactly who I would have made the article. Every band that they put in is who I would have put in, and then us. Who, so I was like, who else did they list? Uh, number one was Maylene okay. and the Sons of Disaster, which I want to he, talk about them a little bit with you. But go on. Sure. Um, he is legend. Yep. Uh. Okay, the other two, and these two, they were like, they're not that much of Southern bands, but they put out some Southern records. Um, Memphis May Fire. Okay, fair enough. And Every Time I Die, and yeah. Us. Wow. that. <laughs> and we were above, I think, the Memphis May Fire. They kind of slipped them in later, I think, put, to just kind of be like, they were... They put Memphis May Fire in there, and they didn't put in Norma Jean? Ooh, I wonder... I could be wrong on missing the Norma. There might be Norma Jean or, or Chariot in there too. Yeah, because I I was gonna say, and it's it's funny that like <coughs> now that you kind of list all those bands, those are all my favorite fucking bands. So like apparently I really like Southern fucking metal. I think so, but see I because I like all pretty much all those bands too. Yeah. Um, I didn't really listen to Maylene, but I listened to all those other bands, and I never really listened to them thinking like this is Southern rock. And I didn't even think that that much about our band, but then we started being labeled it, and then we started playing into it, and then, right? It Come just on, becomes cowboy, a thing. don't you back down. Yeah, well, exactly. That song was written, I think, after we'd already done a few shows. Oh, okay. I think. I don't even know anymore. I'm trying to find this article um, just to make sure that I'm not missing any other bands that they listed us with. Somebody tagged me in it on Facebook the other day so i'm not sure if it is an old article or a new article that i'm just seeing now but fair enough no but that's still i mean like that's that's definitely like recognition that you guys 100 percent deserve like i fully i fully agree with their the fourth fathers of of southern rock that that 100 percent makes sense if you say so well <laughs> I, I, i'll go to my grave saying it and um yeah and and in terms of like I mean, it's kind of nice to hear it's it, it kind of gives a little bit of closure in terms of like hearing that you guys didn't feel 
when you were writing songs for a second record, it, it, it it's comforting knowing that you recognized the that it wasn't uh, true to yourselves. Mm-hmm. So you didn't follow. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of it's almost comforting hearing that in a right. sense where it's like. You know, I, I, I obviously um, there's lots of us that would have loved uh, a second record. But in the case of like, let's let's say Maylene, Maylene made three really great records. And then um, I actually when the they came to town, they played the gateway and I was talking to uh, Jake because um, I they had come previously. Actually, they came to Calgary on the tour where um, Skyler from He Is Legend filled in for Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, don't know if I you remember saw that it. tour. Yeah. So actually wound up hanging out with them. We went to a Denny's after the show when Skyler was with them. Yeah. And then when they came back, um, I was – this is right on the cusp of them putting out uh, four, their, their, okay. their fourth record. And I was having a conversation with, with Jake uh, – after they played and he was kind of telling me a little bit about the record and he was like, yeah, man, like it's going to be awesome. He's like, I was like, are you guys calling it four? Cause they hadn't announced anything. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, we're, we're kind of toying with the idea of, you know, not calling it four or whatever. Right. Then the album comes out and it's not them. Like the entire album was not, you could tell that they're, that somebody had stepped in and overproduced them and, and, and kind of taken away what made them unique. Right. And so, uh, had a conversation with Jake after the record came out and it was like, Hey man, like what ha- like what happened there? And basically what had happened is they were almost promised like radio recognition and, and, and worked really hard to get radio playability and, and, whatnot and it it just really sad that whole that whole saga ends really sad because then dallas had his his horrible quadding accident now that like he can't even like he's 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 still recovering from that and that was like two or three years ago yeah so like we'll we'll never see another maylene record but it's just sad that like somebody stepped in and and took away what made them unique See, I've never listened to that four album. I don't think. Don't do it. If you're going to listen to it, if you're going to listen to it, listen to three, and then immediately listen to four. And the contrast is so drastic; it's okay. fucking unbelievable. Like, it, it's it's worth listening to through once. I'm not like, and and Maylene's also another one of my favorite bands of all time and it it like hurts me to say that like that album is not remotely their best work at all like it's Uh, not even it's it's almost like they tried too hard yeah like i said like they tried too hard to get the radio playability and it just falls flat in so many ways so what have you as a as someone who considers yourself a fan of them yeah would you have rather they just ended at three altogether and that album didn't exist Going like and going so going back to what I was saying before with with you guys not putting out a second record because you didn't feel it was up to what made you unique and and 
made you Holly Springs disaster, mm-hmm. I 100% would say yes. They should have – if I, – I, I would have rathered that record not existed. Right. In turn, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take away from what they gave us with one, two, and three. Right. But it kind of just like it's, it's almost like you can kind of look at it like, what, what was the point then? Right. Well, they were, see, but that you, but here's the thing about just my experience with that. Like at the time, I definitely know all five of us didn't know what we were writing wasn't working because you're, you're in the thick of it. Exactly. Now, full disclosure, I think at the time I was the only one who was like, yo, this isn't us. I was saying that, but I was also the only one not living in the house. There was, there was a house that we had in Moose Jaw. Yeah. I and have, I still I lived in Wayburn st- with my girlfriend. I have a funny story about that house, but go on the cube. But they we called it, but yeah, like that we we were writing like all wrong for that record, mm-hmm. um, and at the time, me feeling like it wasn't us was separating us too because I think whoever was writing those songs at the time really felt it was us because it was them, right? But I mean, yeah, I I'm just so happy now. This far down the road, we at least all five of us now can agree on the same thing. Like, yeah, those some of those songs were not good for us. And what was what was good about us, we can all agree on now too, as grown men, which is pretty cool. That is super cool. So who knows? You know, you never know. We're all stuck on quarantine. Maybe we'll finish a record one day. Oh my god! Please, please don't give me that. Don't give me that hope. And like. I, I would fucking that would be killer. I'm stuck at home, man. Yeah. There's nothing but possibilities this right now. Um, it's funny you bring up the the house in Moose Jaw because in 2009, so this would have been we were I I was actually in a band and we went on a a tour. We started in Winnipeg and then worked our way back through Saskatchewan. Okay. And uh, back to Calgary and our show that we had booked in Moose Jaw wound up the promoter i think it was the day of was just like hey shows off like we're like shows not happening and we were on there was three three bands on tour one from ontario and two the two of us from calgary so uh as a group we were kind of like well what we have a day in moose jaw like what are we gonna what are we gonna do so a couple of the uh people from other one of the other bands they were like you know what why don't we go and talk to like city hall or whatever and see if we can get a permit to play at the little amphitheater right in the in the park there so we we wound up getting a permit to do it and we put on a free show for just whoever showed up so while we were like setting up these uh three kids or whatever came over and they were just like talking to us they're like hey you guys are in bands this is cool like we want to talk to the guys in bands yeah and so i was talking to them and i knew that you guys were from or were like living in Moose Jaw, right? At the time, and I was like, "Hey, uh, I was like, does anybody know the Holly Springs Disaster guys?" And one of the kids was like, "I do, I know where they live and whatever." So <laughs> I was like, "That's fucking rad! Please take me to their house." <laughs> and I am not that guy at all, I, but for <laughs> whatever fucking reason, that day I was like, "No, I want to meet them." So, 
We're going. Somehow, I wound up at the Cube, as you call it. Yeah. And I think it was Andy and Josh were at the house. And I they were in the living room watching uh, an old Stanley Cup like playoff game on the TV, <laughs> just doing bong rips. So uh, somehow I – well, not somehow. I got – I wound up – doing a couple bong rips got way too fucking high and then i had to find my way back to the park to go play this show and i showed up my bandmates were so pissed because i just fucking disappeared and like i showed up like maybe 10 minutes before we went on to play and i couldn't even remember the fucking lyrics to my songs because i was so ripped out of my fucking head it was amazing it was one of the most amazing days of my life wow yeah it was fucking so random and that's that sounds exactly like what would happen in moose jaw though like of course like i'm sure if you came to my hometown right now and stumbled upon some kids and said yeah where's somebody know where i live too it's fucking creepy Uh, and of course you got too high Oh yeah, we got everyone too high at that house. Oh yeah, it was bad. <laughs> like I got a whole tour too high. Um, my girlfriend, she met up with us like halfway through the tour, and I'd left her a bunch of pot, and was like, "Yo, make this into um, butter and bake for us, so when oh, we get boy. here, you know, you'll have all this baking for us." Well, she did, and it was like it was killer stuff like even for me who was like the godfather of edibles and everything um it was really strong so then i was just it was banana bread you can ask anyone on this tour too like structures was on this tour yeah um architects and textbook tragedy right and i was feeding people the banana bread and like one slice was like making people so high they were vomiting like they were nauseous high and shit um and at the same time i won't name names but there's somebody in one of the bands that brought basically like a a honey oil like processing unit with them and just had a bag of like shake trim from the (laughs) grow up or whatever and they were just Every day, just running honey oil, so they had honey oil to smoke. Like that's we so were, trailer park boys of them. <laughs> I was just gonna say that, like, at that time, the way that we lived and the stuff that we got away with, it was. I very much felt like Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys. Oh, that's amazing. We pulled up to a spot check in Northern Ontario, uh, a spot check for a kidnapping, like Amber Alert type spot check, um, and we were in the bars, the school bus. Yeah. We were, I wasn't uh, at the time, but there were people smoking in the school bus, smoking weed. Uh, I was, I was sitting on a lawn chair in the front seat uh, beside the driver doing shotgun. Um, And I was wearing a, a weed thong. I was wearing a thong and that's all I was wearing up there. And, um. Yeah, we hit the spot check, and this cop saw everything. I know he smelled the weed. Oh, yeah. But he just looked in and was just like, I don't got time for this shit. Because <laughs> they were, you know, like, they they needed to find this oh, kid. Oh, yeah. And they just knew, like, hey, these fucking hicks from Saskatchewan doing bong rips in the back of their bus. Like, they don't got this kid. We better no. just let him go. 
And that happened a few times. Like, we're so lucky none of us have records. And I wouldn't be able to work in healthcare if we would have ever got caught for any of that stupid shit we used to do. That's a good point. Yeah, man. I'm very lucky. So, I, it's, you know, I live a much safer lifestyle now. No, that's good. That's good. That, Dude. That's, that is fucking one hell of a tour story. Jesus you, Christ. You want to hear the craziest? Um, well, that was I got, my next question. I got, I've got two of the craziest tour stories ever. All right. Um, and one is just like, I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't name names, but I may have already told this in a public forum. So well, um, when I was 18, my first band, like right when we graduated high school, uh, my first band got asked to do the Canadian dates of the Warp Tour. Okay. Um, we had a really good selling CD on smartpunk.com, if anybody remembers that website. Wait, what What year was this? 2004. Okay. I'm... 2000... Yeah, 2004. So you, so you would have done the Calgary date then? Yeah. Oh, okay, so I, I probably would have been at that show. But go on. I probably. I it was the year... Were you at the Calgary Warp Tour where Coheed and Cambria played and he was like... Uh, the singer was way... Claudio was fucking wasted and was like talking shit to the crowd and making fun of them and a tornado hit that day uh, or like i think i watched coheed either the <laughs> next year or the year after that i don't i i've heard about that but mm -hmm. i don't i never i didn't see it live i'm i must have been watching somebody else at that point okay well it was that year um but yeah so we're on warp tour we're way out of our element yeah. at this point too because we're just a little rinky dink band from Wayburn. we're all from Wayburn at this point which is like ten thousand people right first show of the tour is uh at the ubc so the university of british columbia uh on the campus grounds for warp tour i think at the time it, they called it like thunderdome state i don't know it was a huge fucking oh and yeah. we're just like like we hadn't played for more than like two or three hundred people at this point right and we get there um the show itself uh, our first Warp Tour show went horribly. There was probably like there's twenty thousand people at Warp Tour, right? Oh, probably. Yeah, easily. There was like twenty five watching us. Oh. Maybe. Um. So it was fucking. I remember just being like, "Oh, we suck. Like, why are we even on this tour?" Um. But then, and like the the people I met on this tour really helped with everything that came after it. But at the time, I was just like a fish out of water. Um, this band, Yesterday's Rising, I don't know if you've ever yeah. heard of that. Like, yeah. I fucking love them. Um, and I buddied up with them day one, and we were all minors at this point. Okay. And they were like, yo, fucking, this is where you go, because they'd been doing the whole American run. Right. And, we, and so they knew all the ins and the outs. So day one of Warp Tour, we get done. I'm, I think we're a horrible band. But then all of a sudden, I make these great friends i leave the rest of my band behind too at this point i'm just like you guys are you guys suck i was good today like i don't know i was an arrogant little teenager and i left with yesterday's rising we went to the monster it was like monster energy those alcoholic monsters we we had the artist passes so if you had the artist pass you get free drinks so then we're free drinks then they introduced me to from first to last oh boy so, yep and this is when sunny was still the singer yeah so day one of Warp Tour, I make really good friends with Sonny. Oh boy! Like huggy good friends with Sonny and Matt from. Was he from, wasted? 
No, I think he was pretty sober at that time. I think he's always kind of been pretty sober. Well, the the I the only time I ever saw from first to last play was he uh, wasted? Was in Calgary at Warp Tour, and I thought I want to say it was like oh five oh six. He yeah. was fucking wasted on stage. Mm, okay, so maybe I'm wrong. He could. He was a minor minor when I was playing. He well, was that like makes 15 sense. Years old. Yeah, that makes sense. He like when I saw him this. That would make sense if it was a couple years later. When I saw him play, he he couldn't even fucking he could barely stand up, let alone actually oh. like stay in tune with the the song. It was actually really sad. Like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't funny to watch. Like I because mm. I really wanted to see them play and it was it was a bummer. But anyway, yeah, go that, on. That's one of the most like I oh, I find that so sad when I see an artist yeah. like that on stage. It makes me so sad for them. And sad for the whole audience for ha- like wasting their money on that. I don't think that there's too many videos of me like that. I don't think. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think if there was any nights that I got that out of control mm-hmm. um, on stage. I, I usually saved it for afterwards. But okay, yeah. regardless, I'm not finishing this story. So I make good friends with from first to last. They start giving me their... Um, because they had better artist passes than I had. We right. were like the t- bottom level tier. We get some free drinks and get into backstage and stuff. Right. Well, they had the ones where you got like full catering and everything. And I, I've, I will always say like Matt Good from from First to Last is probably one of the nicest people I've ever met ever playing music. So every day he's giving me his artist pass to go get lunch, and. So the one day I'm with the guys from yesterday's rising and I'm wearing from first to last. It says I'm in from first to last on my little carabiner pass thing. Well, all of a sudden, and I swear it was only, the only reason I got invited is because the guy looked and was like, okay, he's from first last. They're kind of cool. He can come too. So we got invited onto a very, very big bands, very big bands, like a punk bands tour bus. Okay. And this is my first experience now on a tour bus. Right. And these guys are legends. Like, I'd seen them at least five times as a kid. Their band name references drug use. Um, and they're just fantastic. But is, I'm it, not gonna... is it who I'm thinking it is? It might be. Okay. But I'm not going to confirm nor deny. Okay, yeah. You, you don't have to confirm nor deny on the air. But so, yeah. I walk into this bus. I'm surrounded by guys that I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, they're all legends to me, and I'm just out of my league. Well, I get to witness my literally, like, a childhood legend look up from doing a rail, look at me with that kind of face. Yeah. Get the fuck off our bus. Just screams at me, and I get kicked off the bus. That's my first moment as, like, I want to be cool and hang around the rock stars. That's amazing. I got kicked the fuck off the bus. Yeah. If you, what does uh, what kind of punk rock are we talking about with the band that you think I'm referencing? Uh, can I tell you what letter it starts with? Sure. N. No. Oh shit. Okay, then I have no idea. You, you t- tell me when we're not live, because I, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely interested about. Yeah, I got you. I'll tell you off. Sick. Off. That, but I'm not gonna, cause yeah, this no, guy. No, that's fair. He's kind of known for this now too. Oh shit. Yeah. No. That's, um, that's... So that was a wild story, and that was like my first experience of like upper tier bands. Okay. 
So that shook me to the core. I was forever, I've forever been scared of like meeting my idols. Well, yeah. You know, they always seem to just like, yeah, they're never what you think. No, and uh, that's, that's pretty hard. I've gotten pretty lucky with meeting a few of my idols. Yeah. Like I met Dan Harmon in LA. Uh, oh shit. Yeah. That was fucking. I He's met a him. nice guy though. He's, He's a little bit. He, he had, when I met him, he had just he was uh season four of community was on the air so he was like in the middle of like okay i got fired from my show and i'm kind of figuring out what my next move is so he was just doing the we went down to go see him do his podcast right Ah. so he was just kind of like he was obviously still very famous but like i i stood there and like talked to him for like half an hour like it was he was you're right the nicest guy in the world and he's, yeah. he's a, he's a generally nice guy, but you, yeah, I think he's a real, like, he's a real person. He's not a narcissist. He's not a, he's a narcissist a hundred percent, but he's but a, like, it, it, no, like not a clinical narcissist yes, exactly. because if he, if he's like, I'm a narcissist, like I'll say I'm a narcissist with things too, but there's that different type Yes, where they don't think they're a narcissist. Right. Those are the scary he, ones. It's, it's an ego thing where he keeps his ego in check in certain uh instances yeah yeah well and you need you need a healthy amount of ego to be uh to be a prolific creator for sure to just write one like there's plenty of people with no ego that have written a good record or a good song but there's nobody who's got like a long-term career that doesn't have a healthy expression of ego because that's what you're expressing your of thought. course you know i found this article i'm just going to cut back i found the article oh okay so it's maline cancer bats that's a oh, big one i forgot shit. and liam like fuck he oh just my god me for forgetting them good friends like and i don't know why i forgot them I, i'll i'll let you finish the list and then i have a cool i have a cool story about seeing cancer bats but go on okay he is legend every yep. time i die yeah holly springs yep the ongoing concept. Oh, okay. Never, yeah, you know them. I yeah, I'm familiar. I you know what? I actually they're they're less metal, more. Well, no, actually they're pretty metally. They're I actually they they literally have their one album like is like kind of like a tan color, and it's got like a drawn saloon on the cover. Like they're they're like almost cowboy metal. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, like they're fucking. They're Maybe pretty, I'll check them out. Yeah, the rest of them it's like Memphis Mayfire Wilson. Uh, and then bands I've never heard of feed the rhino and okay. once nothing <gasps> once. Okay. Once nothing was the one you've never heard of once nothing. No. Okay. One that was, that was actually, um, that's great that they put them on the list because that was one I was going to suggest to you. If okay. you hadn't heard, of I've them. got it queued up to listen. Well, it started playing. Uh, uh, I got it queued up to listen to after we're done this. Job. Uh, the album first came the law. Okay. That, That's the good one. Oh my god, that album is fucking unreal. Okay, the song I got queued up is off of that Whiskey Breath. Oh yeah, Whiskey Breath's a good one. Um, so that that's their top ten Southern hardcore bands of all time. Well, they nailed it with the list, that's for sure. And it, <sighs> it, that's I. I'll take that one. That feels th- nice. I'll be honest. No, and, and and it should. I think I and I think out of that entire list, the only one that I'm not super. Uh, and even then, like Memphis Mayfire, like they definitely, they definitely did some stuff that I was super into. And then they kind of, their their less southerny stuff. I was just like, okay, like I'll pass. 
but yeah like i can definitely see why they're on the list see i remember they put out like they had a debut album that was quite southern hardcore yes and then everything past that just kind of was not no like very like rise records yeah hardcore. which is probably how yeah that's probably how it happened as i probably liked the first one and i can't like some probably. of this shit is just so it's crazy to me that that like some of this shit is like 15 years ago even 10 years ago, like well uh, exactly and when did this article was it published april 2nd 2020 so like this is a brand new article it that was... they're saying the top 10 southern hardcore bands so, wow, you're still relevant, my friend. You yeah, are, that, that makes is, me smile so big. That's fucking huge. That's funny. I got tagged in that on Facebook a little while ago, and I just like briefly, I just briefly checked it. I was like, oh, Alternative Press finally given us a little, because they never, we've never had any sort of connection with them, and now they're giving us a nod. I love talk. that. That's oh, that's. Hey, maybe now's the time to. Well, that, and I was gonna ask you like if there's any kind of you know inkling of like ever getting the boys back together and kind of doing anything like that like but i i don't know like you said quarantine time right <laughs> it's 22 <clears throat> yeah it's a weird time to be alive anything's possible right now i'll say that yeah um what else can i say i i've been demoing a lot of heavier stuff yeah that I'm not releasing to the public for good reason. So mm -hmm. these are all good signs of something happening, right? They're all excellent signs. But I don't know what for sure, and I don't know when for sure, and I don't know. There's no guarantees when it comes to anything like Holly Springs. That's no. for sure. Um, but I think I've been consistently vocal, at least for the past, like, so we did our reunion. Um, one of our good friends uh, passed away after that. And pretty much ever since then, I've been quite vocal that I want to either get back together or uh, do more shows. Really what I want to do is write. Yeah. You know, I want to, um, like what we were talking about earlier, I want to finish what we'd started. Totally. Um, if we were to ever do anything, it wouldn't be about, uh, putting out those records that we had written back then, but more so writing something that actually means something to us about everything that we've been through since then. And, you know, a big part of that is, like I said, we lost our friend Brock, who was, um, he was our guitar tech, and he would filled in on guitar with us whenever somebody was had a broken hand or something crazy. Right. Um, yeah, and he uh, he meant, like, the world to us, and... I, a lot of, like, we didn't talk about it in the documentary too much. I don't think at all. Um, and, I, yeah, we have never really touched on it. But that that hurt. That that separated us all in a, we couldn't come back and 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 do more music stuff. Because we planned after we did the Damn Four shows to do more and to get back together. But that happened with our friend. And a few, it's, I'll just take my own. Cause I can only speak for myself. I went to a dark place Yeah. for a while. I was, uh, I would have been on, I it would have been so bad for us to try and push forward at that time and try and become a band again. Um, for, for mental health and, and addiction reasons, it would have been, we might've been looking at another 
life or two not being here with us with the kind of choices that I was making at that time. Right. Um, but with me getting sober and, um, and me putting out all the music I did last year, um, what I can say is those two actions are some of the things that brought me back together with my boy. Right. It was them reaching out after, after seeing me, uh, you know, come clean about, you know, wanting to get, get help and, and start recovering and living a sober life that got a few of them reaching out to me again. And then when, um, I mean, when the world heard fake friends, that record did really well for me. And, um, not only just Holly Springs guys, but a lot of my music friends reached out then and were just like, dude, you've got to do more of this. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've had guys reach out from all over North America that have offered their skills up to do, to do those new kind of heavy songs that I'm doing. And um, there's some lineups that I could have put together that'd be like super group type shit, right? But wow. I'm just, you know, I'm still kind of holding out on it. Uh, I would love for the um, the inspiration of me writing new music and, and living a better life. I would love if that could also inspire another Holly Springs record. I think that would be a really healthy full circle for the for the band and the image and just for everybody that we've drug along this journey with us over this past, you know, 15 years, 10 years, however long it's been. Yeah. Um, that'd be a cooler, I think that would be a cooler ending than, yeah, this mythical, this mythical EP and then these huge shows and then a very sad ending. Yeah. To me, to me it's still sad. So I, I, we'll see. We'll see, man. No, All I, I do is try and be a good person, write a lot of good music and hope that that kind of energy is going to bring uh, the people that I want back into my life and they'll trust me to do music with me again. So we'll, well see. And that's, and I mean, that's really all you can, you can do to kind of, that's, uh, that, that's the best way you, you can be living your life right now. And that's, that's fucking killer. That's super commendable. And I'm fucking, I'm super stoked for you. Like even just hearing how stoked you kind of sound about like the possibilities mm -hmm. of like that shit happening you know, gives me as a fan hope that like maybe one day um, we'll be able to see that and kind of, and uh, you know, like, um, like you said, no promises. It's, it is what it is, but mm -hmm. having the, that kind of knowing that like that it possibly could happen is, is pretty fucking cool. Mm -hmm. it's really, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, never say never. I'll try anything twice. So yeah. Um. Yeah. What else can I like? I think the biggest thing. The biggest thing about uh, I need to get back on stage. Um, because it, it's very like therapeutic for me as a as a human. Um. So, like, the only things I can promise is, like, when uh, this this social distancing stuff has calmed down and we're all a little more comfortable going out in public again, I'm going to start doing concerts. And probably not a ton, but a few a year. And, um, and if that ever 
trickles over into me having like when I do those shows, I'll have a little band with me and stuff. But, you know, all I can hope is that kind of stuff was what's going to inspire us all to kind of get back into doing it, because. You know, I know I can speak for all of us. There is nothing like being on the stage as Holly Springs and then having that reception coming back to us. There's no feeling like that. Um, the only thing in my life that has felt better than performing with Holly Springs is having my daughter. That's right. it. Right. Um, and everything else, everything else is beneath that. Yeah. And I've done a lot of cool shit other than music and it still just doesn't touch it. So I'm going to hit the stage again. Um, and I hope that Holly Springs one day could hit the stage again too. And what I can promise is I'll, I'll never be the one stopping that. That's for no. sure. Yeah. Well, I have faith. I, I There's no it. one person stopping it either. It's not like that. No. It's become a thing where it's kind of, it's a little bit of a monster now. It's a little bigger than all of us even. I mean, the guy who books us is now like fucking Post Malone's booking agent. So it's just. What? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's become this thing where it's like. It's bigger than us. Huh. It, all of it. Everything behind it. Like those damn four shows really was what we were like, oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, Live Nation wanting to work with us and stuff. And we're like, what? You guys, they put on a show for us like at the, oh, at the peak of our craziness. It was at, uh, what's that venue in Toronto? Mod Club. Okay. They, I remember it. They were like, we are never booking these guys again because we had – that was a show where, like, the fire marshal came because there was so much pot smoking going on in there and, like, the fire alarms went off. And, oh, and then – but that's the thing. You go 10 years later and you do a show where a shitload of people show up and all of a sudden they all want to work with you again. That's why, that's why the music industry, someone like Chris Brown can beat up Rihanna – and 15 years later, still have a music career. Yeah. There's just because so many sounds... greedy people that as soon as they see money, they're like, eh, fuck the past. Yeah, exactly. I remember one uh, show you guys played in Airdrie. Um, do you know what show I'm talking about? Yeah, I think the, so. The Starlight Room or whatever the fuck. Uh, with It was, I don't know, it was it was at like a hotel and it was like a ballroom. Starlight Room is, um, oh, Edmonton. that's Edmonton. That's Edmonton. No, it was what the hell? It was attached to a hotel. A yes. girl fell down the stairs that night and smashed out all of her teeth. Yeah. I remember that. And the yeah, I remember that. Uh, that show was also with what Danger Boys. Yeah. And uh, that was a messy show. Like Very. there were there were holes in the walls when we were done, yeah. and and police got called that night. Oh too, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a that was a that was a fun show. In quotes. Yeah, <laughs> like it. That was that was messy. That's one of the messiest shows I've ever been to, and I know that um, Parkway Drive played the same venue, like after you guys. And it. Was, oh wow! And it was so they they still let people do shows there afterwards. Or no, sorry, Parkway Drive played the Legion, um, oh. and it was less crazy than that than the the Holly Springs show. At oh my god, it was fucking. We just bring out trouble. We always attracted trouble. Oh, I, I love it. It was <laughs> fucking incredible. Tell me that. Tell me that second tour story. 
Oh, God. Um, also, on the same tour, that first original summer coming out of high school, um, my band played with the Full Blast okay. for, like, all the dates between the Warp Tour dates, we toured with the Full Blast just to kind of cover the country. Right. Um, so we're probably three days after Warp Tour. We're just outside of Vancouver. We played Maple Ridge, British yep. Columbia. Yep. Right? And the show was not good. Um, as Like, all the shows were not good. When you're that size of band, they're just, they're small. Like, no one's coming. Sorry, but that's how it works yeah, when you're starting. Yeah. Um, we get done the show though. We met a cool couple cool locals that were like, "Hey, you guys want to go party tonight?" Um, we were down, and they were like, "There's this old abandoned, um, it's like a mental health hospital, like prison hospital thing, and it's abandoned, and it's in the woods, and it's all creepy." We're all game. We love that shit. Right. We meet them over in this kind of secluded neighborhood. It's a nice neighborhood, too, from what I remember. We park. There's three bands. So there's us, the Full Blast, and a band from Detroit called Alucard. Alucard. They were a cool punk band. Right. We go up to this very interesting abandoned old building. And as we're leaving the path, we like go onto a path between these houses. And there's a group of guys standing there just kind of like, shooting the shit in their driveway just guys hanging and they're drinking and we friend we were like hey is this the way up to the abandoned prison and they're like yeah man didn't think anything of it we get up there we're playing around at the abandoned prison then all of a sudden one of the kids that led us there like runs up to us out of the trees and he's like we got to get the fuck out of here and we're like what and he's like we got to get the fuck out of here I was hiding at the entrance to try and scare you guys when you came back out. And that group of guys just called their buddies in. And there's like 20 dudes down there with fucking bats. And they're all skinheads. Yes. Whoa. And our crew is like, our band's all white guys. Uh, Full Blast is all white guys. Alucard is all different ethnicities. Like everyone you could imagine. I think they had a black guy. They had a Middle Eastern guy. They had... It was all different colors. Oh, fuck. And, yeah, and we were all, like, this was at the peak of, like, scene. Like, we were all quite, like, I remember being called an F word that night. The Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one F we don't say anymore. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of, like, hate um, involved with this, and we got jumped. We got jumped by these guys. Uh, drummer of Full Blast got, took a f head on straight to the face with a baseball bat. Uh, had like 30 stitches. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and dude, we were saved. Like, I, I didn't do shit. I'll be honest. I, I was so scared. Um, I basically took, I think I took one hit and then just like kind of ran away like a little wuss would, right? One of the kids that led us to this party turned out to be, um, he was like, uh, he was going to university on a full ride for his, he was like a speed swimmer. Okay. So this motherfucker was just like jacked and had arms that were like seven feet wingspan on him. But he's 18 years old. So he's our age too. He's just a kid. This guy got a bat from one of those and started, he KO'd three or four of those guys with a bat and got them all to retreat. One guy. That's amazing. Holy. This kid, whoever that kid is from Maple Ridge, uh, 
he's the most badass kid I've ever met, and I never got to hang out with him or talk to him ever again. And yeah, we finished that tour, and we all had like PTSD. No shit, like, big time, and especially the full blast because their drummer he was like the oldest out of all of us so when they kind of came up he was like yo 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 we didn't mean to be trespassing like we're all good we're gonna go home bang and you know what it was either it was an aluminum bat or else it was a 40 because i remember it being like the grossest sound so it was either a smash or like a ping with an aluminum bat off the head dude it was so real like growing up in waver the only thing you see is a fist fight totally yeah you know like, literally, the worst thing you see is a guy getting knocked out. And, like, that's kind of often because we're all tough prairie boys. Yeah. I grew up in a small town, too, so I know exactly. I, I've seen my fair share of fucking Yeah, and cow- fist fights, like, yeah. you don't get PTSD from that being no. a, from a small town. You're used to it. Yeah. You just pull your boys off each other, and you're like, fuck, yeah. have a beer. Grow up. The fight, And then you usually, like, whoever those fight between that group of friends, you usually kind of make friends with that group of friends. Then after totally. the fight too, you have respect for each other. This was totally different. And it like put the fear of God in me. I never forgot that whenever I toured, I always, I looked over my back and like Holly Springs, we got jumped many a times. And I just, by that time was ready for shit. And like, well, that more of that kind of thing. Like that's the, like, that's such a hate fueled attack that of course that would like, instill some sort of because you're 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 seeing humanity at its absolute fucking most vile yeah of course that's gonna leave a mark on you oh hell yeah yeah it really changed and i it's sad that was my first tour yeah so i always i've talked about a little bit but like touring was always fun but there was a lot of anxiety attached to it for me right just worrying about shit so you wait you so you and holly springs you guys got jumped a lot you said at least three different times we got in like full-on altercations where like pretty much all of us had to defend ourselves what yeah where like in canada or in fucking in the states always in canada in uh stouffville ontario okay um we got jumped with the calgary the riviera hikes Oh, fuck. Yes, I remember the Riviera heist. Hayden broke his foot, and our guitar player broke his hand that night. Jesus and, Christ. Yeah. Um, in London, Ontario, two of us got jumped, but <laughs> this was at the point where I was kind of coming into my own as not minding fighting. Right. So we got jumped, but we did fine. Uh, but I broke my hand on that. So there's a tour where all the videos you'll see, I have a cast on my hand that happened. And then in Whitby on all in Ontario, I was going to say they're all in on, which actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. If I may say, well, exactly. And there's this weird thing in Ontario of like a lot of aggression at the shows, but a lot of like fake aggression where as soon as these like prairie boys are there, they don't differentiate like i couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't so then all of a sudden a fight breaks out over something it shouldn't have and yeah like the last time we got in a oh shit four times oh boy because twice it was it was venue involved oh twice it was a security guard doing something one of us and then me and so me and, and our tour manager matt who still lives in musha you probably met him when you were at the cube i might have he might have been there too yeah a really deep voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me and Matt are like the friend that everybody wants because 
dude, if if any of us, if Matt saw anything happening with any of us, he was flying in there in a hurry. And if I saw anything happening with any of us, I was jumping in there. So on two separate occasions, Matt defended one of our guys over some shit that I won't talk about and got into a fight with security. And then we're fighting security at our own show and having to leave and like call the promoter to get our fucking uh, guarantee wired to us. And And then the other time it was me. I watched Matt get beaten up by a security guard and then I jumped the security guard and then the security guard. Wow. Yeah. Whiskey. That's what fuels all of that. Whiskey. Whiskey. Brought to you so, by whiskey. Yeah. That's why. There's a great example of why I don't drink. Because, yeah. like, you could, I could not imagine myself getting into a fight sober. No. That shit would like, hurt I'm too much. I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I'm not. No. Like, I really am not. No. Anyone that has grown up with me, all my buddies out here, like, I got some tough ass farm boys surrounding me, and I was always the artsy. I was singing in music, like in musicals, and, you know, like, I played hockey. I can throw a punch and take a punch, but I'm not a. You're not. You're you're a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then all of a sudden, add whiskey, and then my friends getting hurt, and <sighs> I'm I'm just a fighter. <laughs> you're gonna jump in there. Uh. So, <clears throat> speaking of hockey, uh, we are in our most isolated and and in our 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 darkest time of need for sports we don't have it yep and you're a you're you're a maple leafs boy aren't you oh yeah that's your team time. so they're they're doing pretty well before uh shit got shut down they were i mean they're 12th overall and third in the they division were, they were doing okay they had some hot spots this year and then some really terrible runs matthews was looking beauty yeah like the, I don't know. I wasn't very happy with our performance this year, to be honest. But, I mean, fuck, man. I would just take any hockey right now. No, I know. I, 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 I was telling my friend yesterday. I was like, fuck, I would, I would kill for a fucking soccer game. Yeah. Just, like, anything. Just any little bit of – I've been playing uh, NHL on the PlayStation just to fucking fill I'm – I'm an, I'm an Oilers guy, so I, I, I fuck – I know. I live Wait. In, like, and you're in Calgary, though, yeah, I right? In, yeah, I live in Calgary, but I'm in. Okay, <laughs> you want to? Okay, you want to? You want to hear? I live in Calgary. Oh, I don't unplug my headphones. Just one second. Oh. <laughs> and I can hear you again. All Sorry right. about that. All good. So I live in Calgary, but I don't support any of the Calgary teams. <laughs> so I'm an Oilers fan. And then for the CFL, I'm a Rough Riders fan. I know. It doesn't make any sense. You just – wow. Did anything cause these yeah, situations it, or are you just a big sports fan and you really – like you found your team? No, it, it, I, I wasn't actually a big sports fan until probably about, I guess, 15 years ago. Okay. Like growing up as a kid, it like sports were never really my thing. So – I'd say about 2000 and well, okay. So about 2006, it was the last time the Oilers went on their cup run. And I kind of got into it because, uh, all my friends were Oilers fans. Um, cause we grew up in a small town just outside of Calgary. Okay. So like we were 
removed 10 minutes enough to be like, yes, we're all Oilers fans. Fuck Calgary. Um, but it was just like the frenetic energy of like, oh, shit, like this is kind of fun. Like I want to get in on this. And then I just kind of got it from that. And then on top of that, my one of my best friends, uh, all of his family's from Saskatchewan. So they're, of course, all Rough Riders fans. So, again, it's just yeah. like the frenetic energy of like, all right, I guess I'm a Rough Riders fan. Because I'm not really a big football guy, but I'll fucking watch the Grey Cup every year. Right. Like, and, I, and I watch the Super Bowl every year, but I don't follow the NFL. Hockey's the one that I really, really follow. And, like, yeah, the fucking – the Oilers were doing real well this year. Dude, they were looking gorgeous. I know. Um, the The way that Dreisaitl and McDavid can just – like, they might be the two most – dominating players the league has seen together since like i don't know curry and gretzky or something like that i i yeah and i mean like because even with like crosby and malkin like they're definitely like really really in tune players but like and like the, but like watching you're right watching dry and and Connor mcdavid it's fucking magic yeah. it's absolute magic even even just what like when when mcdavid was kind of out sick or hurt or whatever, just watching Drysidle by himself, like oh my god! And yeah. Nuge, Nuge and Hopkins has fucking stepped up huge this year. Yeah, you know what I kind of always was. I felt like going under the radar, and then finally this year when the team picked up, he picked up too. Absolutely, dude. You know who's my favorite Oiler? Who? Cassian, dude. Cassian he... is a fucking beauty. Oh, he's my like. Those are my favorite players. If yeah, like the Leafs are my favorite team. Matthews is probably my favorite player just because I, you know. Of course. But my favorite players to watch in the NHL are guys like Patrick Maroon. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, I used to love Lucic. I've lost a little bit of patience for him. He's kind of, I don't know. He hasn't, re you know what? I've been to, I've been to, I went to three Flames games right before they shut down. Yeah. And like watching him play, like it just, I, I, he hasn't found his place on, on, he didn't find his place with the Oilers and he hasn't found his place with the Flames yet. He's, he's kind of just like, he's, he's struggling. Yeah. There's something in his head going on because he's still like, I don't know. I worry he's got one of those big guy syndromes going on. You know, they struggle with a lot of substance abuse and depression, a lot of those big fighter guys. So yeah. I, I worry about that with Lucic. I see it in his eyes sometimes, like he's partying too much. It could be. Who's, an, who's another big boy I love? Those are the kind of – I like the power forwards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't even have to be a power forward. Like uh, Ryan Reeves, I mean – I just love the big guys that are good at playing hockey, but also like the guys that are still willing to fucking drop the mitts. Oh. Yeah. My, my other, my, cause my other uh, team is St. Louis. Oh. So like you can imagine how fucking awesome last year was. Hell yeah. And like Ryan O'Reilly, I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm going to get an O'Reilly Jersey uh, this. Well, I guess in the off season. Once we're once we can go out and get jerseys, I want to get an O'Reilly jersey so bad. That dude is fucking incredible. You almost look like you'd be a sibling of his yeah, with that beard. With fucking beard, yeah. Yeah, I bud. To, I need to lose a tooth or two. Lose it, yeah. To be an O'Reilly, you got to be missing a tooth. Yeah, dude. I, I 
jumped on. Like, I like St. Louis always. They have Schwartz from uh, Regina. Yep. So I, I just kind of like that connection. And then playoffs last year, though, I jumped right on that bandwagon. And I, dude, I, so many good hockey players oh, on that yeah. team. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, their team is fucking unreal. And they're doing real well again this year. Yeah, was, and people were like, they're not gonna. They weren't able to sign everyone they needed. They won't be able to do it again. Well, I mean, fuck it, whatever. Pittsburgh did it. St. Louis can absolutely fucking repeat. Although, what do you think? Do you think we're gonna get? Do you think we're gonna get hockey back this summer? No. You don't think so? You think it's just done? Done. Wow. That I, I mean, think, that's bleak. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. I mean, oh god, I just got an emergency alert on my phone. For what? Well, I get like alerts with the health. Oh, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's nothing, nothing new. It's just keep isolating. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Best case scenario, maybe they do like a like a round robin style tournament, figuring out the because like what are they gonna do? I really, they gotta get a Stanley Cup champion because the season's done. Well, at this point, yeah, because well, the season ends tomorrow exactly yeah like it, it's it's you're right it's it's the season's done so it's kind of and they've done shorter seasons than this before yeah and then they still had the stanley cup finals i honestly dude okay i hate to be the bummer on this podcast but i i don't think there's gonna be okay if they do it there won't be anyone in the crowd yeah there's gonna be no large gatherings like that i don't think until the end of the summer no i i yeah, it's going to be like 20,000 people in an arena. I just don't see it happening, which almost kind of like it, it, which to that point almost kind of begs the reasoning behind like, well, what's the point of doing it? Because if the players can't share it with the fans, there's not like, what's the point in winning the Stanley Cup then? Yeah, because you're you're winning it to an empty arena and it's almost kind of like, all right, you, they'd almost be better off just cutting the season short not awarding because if you go and listen, look at the I somebody pointed it out. If you go and look at like the Wikipedia list of like Stanley Cup winners, there's like one time it wasn't awarded, and I'm pretty sure it was like the Spanish flu, right? Because that fucking cut their season short and they couldn't play. I it think you're right in like 1918 or whatever 18, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. So wow. it's it's like, yeah, we're dealing with a global pandemic right now, like as much as it fucking hurts because both obviously both my teams were doing killer and I was having a lot of fun watching them every night. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that would do for them. I don't know. I don't know because we, we like San Jose was posting about or saying that they were going to start doing games with no fans in the arena. Yeah. Uh, to mitigate that. And I was actually kind of interested. I was actually going to watch the first one just to kind of see what that did to the gameplay because how that's going to be weird. Like, yeah, you'll just hear the puck slapping and you'll hear the players yelling at each other. Yeah. Well, and like they're doing WrestleMania this weekend without a crowd. Hey, are you going to watch it? Fucking right. I am. Yeah, I have nothing what? else to watch. Have I watched a WrestleMania in the past 10 years? No. Oh, I've watched it every year. I haven't. I grew up loving wrestling, but I just, I haven't watched it since. Well, like, and apparently they're apparent it's airing on what sunday but it's uh pre-recorded so they're recording it ahead of time they're not doing oh. it, they're not doing it live from what i understand 
Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I might have to fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that they're uh, pre-recording it. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm probably going to watch it. Yeah, because it's going to be fucking weird. Did you, okay, did you see the Stone Cold thing where he was doing, like on 316 day, where there was like a little clip and he was like yelling to the empty audience and he was like, no. Oh my God, go find that clip. It is so fucking funny. Because he's doing like, can I get a hell yeah to an empty arena? And, then, <laughs> and it's just like nothing. <laughs> what? Oh, found it. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll watch that after we, or do you want me to watch it now so I can comment on it? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's up to you. <laughs> we, I mean, we've been going for two hours, so we can probably cut her short because I really want to know what that, that band was as well. Oh, yeah, so yeah, don't yeah, jump yeah, yeah. off the line yet, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a transition. <laughs> uh, I want to – oh, wait. No, before we go, I want to point out that uh, yesterday you posted MikeFro.com is live. Yes, it is. And so uh, everybody go to MikeFro.com. He's got all of his music up there. He's got a bunch of merch for sale. Um, oh, and he's got a puppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – in times like this, this is a great way that we can um, help support uh, artists and, and people, uh, creatives in, in this like quarantine time uh, by going and buying merch and stuff like this. So go to MikeFro.com, uh, check out all the stuff you got for sale and whatnot. And uh, I, man, this has been an absolute fucking pleasure. Like this Hell was yeah. this is the most fun podcast I've ever done in my life. Hell yeah. I had a good time too, buddy. It uh, went really well. Oh, this is this was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for doing it. This is uh, an absolute honor. No problem, brother. Cool. I'm going to end this stream. Awesome. And